Good. Well, good morning. We're doing good? Doing good this morning? All right. Well, I'm excited. This morning we are going to start our new series called Wisdom. Uh, with the subtitle, Wisdom being a is, is a, or is the principal thing, as the scripture says. I'm excited about this, and I'm not sure how long this series will go, uh, but I'm excited about this for many reasons, which I'll bring out in the message this morning. With that, go ahead and join with me in your Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. That's where we'll begin this morning as we start in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, as we kick off this, uh, this new series, Wisdom is the Principal Thing. Solomon writes, Wisdom is the Principal Thing, therefore get Wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. So not only is wisdom the principal thing, but wisdom is something that we need to get. It's not automatic in that sense. We need to go get it. And in, and in all of our getting, we need to get understanding. One thing we're going to notice throughout this series and throughout the Word of God is that wisdom and understanding are very parallel. They're paired very often in Scripture, especially in Proverbs, but also throughout the Word of God. You're going to see these two terms parallel together, and we're going to see that a little more clearly as we go forward. But, but wisdom is the principal thing. In this message, uh, I want to talk about not only is wisdom the principal thing, but we need to pursue wisdom. We need to go get it. We need to be after wisdom. And more specifically, let me just clarify, I'm not just talking about wisdom in general. We're going to, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Because uh, there are other kinds of wisdom. There's natural, there's earthly wisdom. I'm talking about the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is the principal thing. Okay? I want to talk about the importance of wisdom. I want to talk about some important characteristics or traits of wisdom. What I want to talk about what wisdom will provide. I want to talk about what wisdom will bring in your life. I want us, as a pastor... I want us to become a people who know and value the wisdom of God. I want us, and we're going to see this more clearly in a few moments as well, I want us to be a people who, who value and understand the fear of the Lord. I want us to be a people who value and understand the Word of God. We're going to see how those three terms that I just mentioned are interchangeable as we talk about the wisdom of God. How many of you know that it's not our career? We're not there to... <clears throat> our career is not the principal thing. Money is not the principal thing. As much as our family is dear to us, they're not the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. And we're going to see this. And I'm not downplaying our career. I'm not downplaying our destiny. I'm not downplaying our money, even money in that sense, as a resource. I'm not downplaying my family, of course, but wisdom is the principal thing, and we're going to see this in a few moments. So therefore, the question is, is the wisdom of God the principal thing in our lives? Is the wisdom of God the principal thing in our church, in our assembly, in our gatherings, in our job, in our career, in our family, in our home? Or is something else the principal thing? And in our getting, are we getting wisdom? Are we pursuing wisdom? And we're going to look at that more clearly. 
Just before we get started, I want to go to Matthew 13, 23. I want to kind of revisit a verse that we just kind of concluded with in our last series that talked about the, the gospel of the kingdom. And I guess spent a lot of time on this, but this is kind of somewhat the thought that spurred uh, this message in some ways. Not the only thing, but it was one main attribute uh, that spurred this message. And, in the parable of the seller, Jesus gives not only the, the parable, he talks about the four kinds of soil, but he also explains in the last soil, the good soil, and he says, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who, and this is a phrase, he who hears and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now I want to be talking about, not just about understanding, but we, the, 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 one of the main qualifications of that seed falling on good soil, one of the main qualifications of the, the, the soil is good, is that they not only heard the word, which he talks about a lot about in that parable, but also they understood it. And that other types of soil, they, some of them heard it, a lot of them heard it, but they didn't understand it. And so that's key. And you know, we need to uh, understand wisdom. Let's go real quickly to Isaiah, chapter 33, verse 6. And today's lesson is going to be kind of a, just an introduction of some things that we want to get into. So I'm going to be hitting a couple of different things, talking about it, as we just kind of introduce this new series. Wisdom is the principal thing. Okay? Does that make sense so far? We're just barely getting, getting started here. But Isaiah 33, verse 6 says this, Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. I want to read that again. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of your salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Just a couple things I want to comment on this as we again even introduce this verse. It says that wisdom and knowledge, and actually, I was looking up Andrew's commentary on this, and he says, wisdom and knowledge are in, in, indispensable to stability. Don't we want stability in our lives? Don't we want stability in our marriages, in our parenting, in our finances, in our health, in our lives? I don't know about you, but I want stability. And so, wisdom and knowledge are, to, are indispensable to, to to stability. Andrew goes on to say, he says, the more they are lacking, what? What's lacking? Wisdom and knowledge. The more wisdom and lacking is lacking, the less stable things are. The less we have wisdom, and specifically talking about the wisdom of God and knowledge, then the less stable things are. Peter says it this way, that grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of him. That we receive all things that pertain to life and godliness in the knowledge of Him. We need knowledge. And we, we need, when we know His love, that surpasses just intellectual knowledge. We're not just talking about intellectual knowledge. We're not just talking about ideology or theology or philosophy. We're talking about the wisdom of God. And uh, when we have the wisdom of God, there will be stability in our lives. When we have the knowledge of His love, we will be filled with the very fullness of God. It's going to be hard for you to be filled with the very fullness of God and not be stable. That makes sense? Okay? 
If, and if we are in Christ, then we already have the fullness of God. But some of us are not relating to that. Some of us are not understanding what we have. And so uh, without that wisdom and the knowledge of what we have, there's unstable. And we've met people like that. They mean well, they do well. And there's been times in my life I've been unstable. Uh, because I'm not walking in wisdom. I'm not walking in knowledge. We've all been there. And, uh, and uh, I, I don't know about you, but I want to walk with wisdom. I want to walk in the knowledge of Him so that my life is stable. It also goes on to say that the wisdom and knowledge are the strength of our salvation. We have salvation if we are in Christ, but I don't know about you, but I want strength to that salvation. I want to be strengthened in that salvation. I want to be strengthened in the, in the revelation and the knowledge that, that I have of the salvation I have. And also, it's a, and we're going to look at this more clearly later on, but the fear of the Lord is His treasure. The fear of the Lord is His treasure. We're going to look at that a little bit more uh, as we go forward. Okay? Uh, let's go to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Proverbs 9, verse 10, and we've already, we'll see this again as we talk more about the fear of the Lord as well. But I'm, I'm here, so I'm just going to talk about it a little bit. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One, meaning Christ, is understanding. See, wisdom and understanding again. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of it. Whatever the fear of the Lord is, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, it's the beginning of wisdom. It's where it starts. It's the starting point of wisdom. Okay? Uh, the fear of the Lord is beginning with them. See, the fear of the Lord is not only his treasure, his heart, but it, it's... Let me just say it this way. I want to restate that. The fear of the Lord is God's treasure. It's the treasure of his heart. It's dear to him. And he wants to get it to us. He wants us to get the fear of the Lord. Uh, above all else, he wants it to become our stability. He wants it to become our strength of our salvation. Um, I'm going to get a little happy now. Um, see, what, let me just say this. What, this is another thing that's kind of spurred this message on. There's kind of three major things that have kind of spurred us for me. And this is kind of the second one. The first one is I already talked about it from Matthew 13, the parable of the several. That we hear the word of God and we understand it. But here's another one. In these last days, how many know the days are getting darker? The days are getting becoming more evil. And we're seeing it in various even even uh, even people that we never thought of, we would see it through. In these last days, we must have the wisdom of God. We need the wisdom of God if we're gonna have a happy, fulfilling marriage. We're gonna need the wisdom of God if we are gonna uh, raise children in this culture. The days are getting evil to raise even kids in this culture. Our school systems and the systems of this world, we need wisdom. We need wisdom to overcome the demonic warfare and temptations that people have to give up on God and give up on one another. People, without the wisdom of God and without the fear of the Lord and without the word of God, are giving up at times on God and they are giving up on one another. We need the wisdom of God to overcome those temptations. To overcome, to, to, to do anything in this world. And the end, how many of you know that the enemy, is, he's cunning. He's crafty. And we need the wisdom of God. He will use deception. That is his weapon. 
And we need the wisdom of God to discern things in these, in these days, in these last days. And we need the wisdom of God as, as leaders, as, as, as parents, as spouses, as employees and employers. We need the wisdom of God. As we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not the reach. We are the children of God, but we need wisdom. And we need the wisdom of God. I'm going to go here later, but let's go, go, off, go ahead and go here right now. Let's go to, uh, I think it's 1 Kings chapter 3. Verse 1. Yeah, this is where I want. And we're going to spend a little time here. We're talking about wisdom, and we're going to be using a lot of the Proverbs. And we know that Solomon wrote the Proverbs. We understand that Solomon was a very wise king. Of course, we understand his problems, with the, especially the thousand women that he had connected with. So we know that wasn't wisdom. But beyond that, he was wisdom. And, uh, and he didn't listen to some of his own problems with some of those stuff. And we get that. And, uh, and, and, um, but at the same point in time, that doesn't uh, devalidate the, the Proverbs and the wisdom that he did have. But let me just read this. I'm going to read a, a few verses. But it says, Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. And then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house, and the house of the Lord, and the wall around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places, because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except for that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. So he has some, he has some flaws there. Verse 4, Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was a great high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? How many of us want a dream like that? But God has given us that dream in Christ. God has given us that. You just read John chapter 15, uh, 14, 15, and 16. Six times Jesus says we can ask. What should I give you? Verse 6. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is to this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a child, a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding how to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil of who is able to judge this great people of yours. Verse 10. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked the same. And then God said to him, Because you have asked the same, and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked for riches for yourselves, nor have asked the life of your enemies, you have asked for yourselves understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, but riches and honor, that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. 
So I, if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. If Solomon awoke, indeed it had been a dream. He came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant. But the Lord offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. There's a lot here. I'm not going to expound so much on the story. Except for the fact that God asked him, what do you want? And he asked for wisdom. He asked for understanding. It pleased the Lord. And what I think one thing I gained gleaned from that is that the wisdom that Solomon got, and I, I know that not, not everything he did was wise, especially with, with the, the, all the wives he had, and, and so that led to some of his downfall. But the fact that he asked for wisdom, and the wisdom that he has had that we can glean from, that we can discern by the word of God, what is good wisdom, what is the wisdom of God, that God gave him with a discerning heart. God gave him this wisdom. So if God gave him this wisdom, then a lot of his wisdom is from God. That makes sense? We need the Holy Spirit to discern because uh, there are some areas where Solomon did not walk wise in his own example, but at the same point in time, a lot of these proverbs, a lot of this wisdom is, is the heart of God. And it includes the heart. And we're going to see that uh, as we go forward. That makes sense? I just want to make mention of that as we go forward. So, um, with that in mind, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 16 to 18. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, starting verse 16, it says, And then I said, and there's Solomon speaking, Wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. Words of the wise, spoken quietly, should be heard, rather than the shouts of ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. There's, there's things in here I'm not going to piggyback on every single thing. But two, two, two thoughts that are here. Wisdom is better than strength. And I, when I get out of that, wisdom is better than natural strength. Verse 18, wisdom is better than weapons of war. Okay. See, we can, one, a couple, one main thing I glean from this is that we can choose to operate in our own wisdom, our own natural wisdom. And we can work everything out with that wisdom. We can resolve problems with that, even weapons of war. But the wisdom of God is better than natural wisdom and weapons of war. We can either do it in our own strength or we can get wisdom, the wisdom of God, and understanding. In other words, it doesn't paint in another picture. We need the wisdom of God. Solomon was a good king of a great nation. Jesus has made us kings and priests to rule the earth by his blood. We need the wisdom of God to discern and to lead and to reign on the earth as God has told us to reign. That makes sense? Okay, it's better than, I mean, when we come into situations, and these last days, the days are evil, and the, 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 our society, our world is evil, we need wisdom and more powerful than weapons of war, more powerful than our own strength, is the wisdom of God. We're going to need to know the wisdom of God when to speak. We need to know the wisdom of God when to remain quiet. 
We need the wisdom of God how to handle certain situations and how to handle certain people. Okay? But we need the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of man and not the weapons of God. We don't need to show how strong we are. We need to show the wisdom of God in every situation. We need the wisdom of God. Okay? Um, this is, again, there's a lot of introductory stuff I'm going into right now. In this message, though, and uh, we'll, we'll highlight, we'll begin to highlight something at the end of the time allows me to. But I want to highlight some things about the wisdom of God according to the Word of God. Um, and you're going to see that more clearly in a few moments. That I got to connect the Word of God and the wisdom of God very closely. And, 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 and uh, once I, well, let me give me a chance to set that up. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna be looking at some of the benefits of the wisdom of God. I'm gonna be looking at the source, or the, or the spirit, or the nature of the wisdom of God. I'm gonna be looking at some of the character traits of the wisdom of God. And we're gonna eventually look at, uh, like, at the house of wisdom and the seven pillars that build the house of the wisdom of God. Okay, just um, to kind of give you some things that we're gonna look at. So first of all, we're gonna look at for the moments the benefits of the wisdom of God. Before we get to the source, before we get to the trace, I want to get some of the benefits of the wisdom of God. One of them is, is let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verses, uh, verse 13. We're going to look at some of the benefits of the wisdom of God. It says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Let me just say this I know everybody is looking for happiness, everybody is looking for happiness. Happiness, okay? And it's not wrong to be happy. There's even a thought out there, that it's just wrong to be happy. No, we, it's okay to be happy. But happiness is the man who finds wisdom. And the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds, whose proceeds? Wisdom. Are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. She, wisdom, is more precious than rubies. I like this part. And all the things you may desire cannot compare with her wisdom. Wisdom is incomparable with anything else. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the ultimate desire for happiness is to be, is to have wisdom and walk in wisdom. Does that make sense? Okay. This goes back with Solomon. He didn't ask for later days. But he says, there's two hands in verse 16 that wisdom will provide. It will provide length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor. Solomon didn't ask for length of days, and he didn't ask for riches and honor. But those who have wisdom will have length of days, and they will have riches and honor. We'll come back to some of that in just a second here. Her ways of her ways, sorry, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. We're going to come back to that before we finish today. But all, I want to repeat again, her ways are of ways of pleasantness, especially this last part, and her paths are peace. We're going to come back to that peacefulness. Verse 18, she is a tree of life, and those who take hold of her and happy, sorry, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And happy are all who 
retain her. We're going to see this in the study that it's important not just to get wisdom, it's also important to retain it. Happy is the one, not only who gives wisdom, but also, this last part, happy are those who retain her, retain wisdom. Verse 18, the first part of verse 18 says, she is a tree of life to those who take over. I didn't get a chance to get these all in my notes, so I was looking at some uh, of Andrew's commentary on uh, verse 18 here, and he has a lot to say about that, so let me just, just uh, um, let me just read a couple things here from Andrew on Proverbs 3.18. The tree of life is in the garden of Eden. And it granted eternal physical life, Genesis 3.22. The tree of life in the new Jerusalem, in Revelation 22, verse 2, is for the healing of the nations. Therefore, this is the saying that wisdom will produce healing effects in our body to those who lay hold of her. See, and those who, those who, in other words, the tree of life, and what he's saying there is the tree of life in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, offered uh, health, or offered, um, how do you say, eternal physical life. <coughs> but in Revelation chapter 22, verse, uh, verse 2, the tree of life in the New Jerusalem offered physical healing for the nations. He says here in Proverbs 3.18, that she, wisdom, is the tree of life. Those who are, are walking in wisdom, they will walk in good health. They will be, there is, there's healing there. I'm not taking away that healing is in the cross. But we're gonna, uh, healing is in the gospel because actually when we get, as we go further in our study, we're going to see in Corinthians that Paul says that the gospel is the wisdom of God. So as we're looking at the wisdom of God here, we're also looking at the the gospel is the wisdom of God, it says in Corinthians. Okay, Does that make sense? I'm trying to connect the dots, but I'm, 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 I'm going this route to start with. Andrew goes on to say, this is a, uh, actually let's read real quick, uh, scroll up if you will, to Proverbs 3, 2, since we're in chapter 3 here. It says, for length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. Actually, let me start verse 1. My son, do not forget my law. But let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Andrew goes on to say, this is, this is saying that godliness will prolong our lives. This is vastly different than what many Christians are preaching today. It's not unusual for 50% of Christian radio or television to be occupied with fitness and health food programs. Many Christians have unwittingly become humanistic in their approach to longevity. They think all the factors that make us live long are physical and chemical. But the Bible teaches that godliness prolonged our lives. The Lord promised that long life to those who honor their parents. Exodus 20.12 The Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine. But a broken spirit Dry up the bones, Proverbs 17.22. Spiritual factors are much more important to our health than most people realize. 
he goes on to say, I would say this is a universal design. Actually, he was quoting from Psalm 30.12. Let's go, let's go to Psalm 30.12. 34 verse 12. Hold on, wait. Okay. Psalm 34, verse 12. It says, Who is a man who desires long life? Pardon. Who is a man who desires life and love many days that he may see good? Again, the question is, Who is a man who desires life and love many days or long life? Based on this, uh, and, uh, um, Andrew says, I would say that this desire for a long life is, is a universal desire. Everyone wants a long life, a long and a good life. But modern man is looking to diet, exercise, and other natural things as the things that extend life. However, these verses and other verses show spiritual things are the main ingredients to an online. Here are some examples. Some of these I've already mentioned. Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart does good like medicine. Proverbs 3.1-2 says, says, Taking he heed to the word of God lengthens our days. Proverbs 3.7-8 says, The fear fearing God will bring health to our navel and marrow to our bones. Exodus 20.12 says, Honoring our parents prolongs our life. Psalm 91 verses 14 to 16 says, he will, be, he will be satisfied with long life when we set our love upon the Lord. Psalm 34 verses 12 to 14 says, Keeping our tongue from evil and hypocrisy extends our lives. We do, as, as do departing from evil and doing good, and pursuing peace. Deuteronomy 11.21 says, He to God's word not only multiplies our days, but also makes our days as heaven on earth. Proverbs 14.30 says, A sound heart is like life, life of the flesh, but envy, envy the rottenness of the bones. Proverbs 15.4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. I think these spiritual things are much more important to longevity than humanistic man believes they are. Diet, exercise, and positive thinking are factors, but not the, not the answer to long life. This is totally me, Andrew speaking, but I suspect diet and exercise account to, to for 20 or 30% of our health. These spiritual things are much more important. So you, you, you hearing what he's saying there? Yes, we're not downplaying our, our teaching against diet and exercise and positive thinking and our natural things. But the Word of God is very clear. That when we honor the Word of God, and we honor what the Word of God says, that will give us long life. That makes sense? And the Word of God is not the ink. The Word of God is a person. His name is Jesus. And Jesus became flesh. We're talking about the gospel. We're talking about also just, uh, we're not obeying the word of God to 
become saved. But there are natural consequences and benefits to living a godly life. That making sense? And uh, I mean, if you pollute your body with all kinds of uh, uh, evil stuff and, 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 and unhealthy stuff, and your body is 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 not going to walk in the divine health that God has ordained for us. That makes sense. And you're going to be living from, and you can get you can get healing after healing after healing. But the best remedy is is walking in divine health. And you can get healing, and we're not taken away from the gospel. But it's not our. And I'm not against diets, I'm not against exercise, and I probably can do some of those things better. But at the same point in time, they're not my source. God is my source. And obeying his word is my source. That makes sense? I'm not obeying his word to become righteous, but I am obeying his word to live the life that he's called me to live. That makes sense? And when I live the life that he's called me to live, I am promised by the Word of God longevity and a good life. It, it's the Word of God. And, I, and, I, and it's not, I didn't say it. God, throughout His Word, I just quoted several scriptures. God said it. That we will have a long life if we live a godly life. Okay? We will have a long, good life if we do that. Okay? Um, but I, even, though, even though I'm living godly, I'm not, I'm not the source. Obeying his word is the source. That makes sense? He's a source, not me. Okay? Um, yeah, that's, uh, that makes sense. See, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3. Here. I want to go back to verse. I want to go back to the beginning here, where it started. Excuse me. Verse thirteen. Proverbs chapter three. Happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than the fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you, can, you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days are in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all of her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who obtain her. Okay. Um, See, even this part about retaining her, retaining wisdom. We've all met people who, and if we see this even in the parable of the sower, they start out well, and they do well for a while. Why? Because they're abiding in the seed. They're abiding in the word. They're trusting his word. But sometimes the, the cares of this world, sometimes the sinfulness of riches and the lust for many things, sometimes the persecutions and the the hardships that we endure, it causes people to give up on God and to give up on people. And for some people, they give up on God and they give up on others too easy. That is not the wisdom of God. I was actually listening to 
Dwayne Sheriff, and a lot of my, some of my thoughts and notes are coming from Dwayne Sheriff. Uh, I've never taught him this before, but I, I've been listening to him and, and, and lost him and, and reading Andrew's commentary, wanting to teach this. But I was listening to something from uh, Dwayne Sheriff, and he, he talked along the lines of, uh, I mean, he's been around people who give up on God and give up on people so easily. And, and Dwayne's response is, where is your wisdom? That is not wisdom. That is not the wisdom of God. And, uh, and we need the wisdom of God so that we don't give up on God and we don't give up on people too easily. Well, does that make sense? And I'm seeing this in the body of Christ and it breaks my heart when I see people give up on God and give up on His church, His people, too easily. I get it that people are not our source. Uh, people will fail us. But to give up on them is not the wisdom of God. Jesus did not give up on people. Jesus is expression of God. Jesus did not walk out on people. Jesus did not turn his back on people. He didn't spend time with the Pharisees and religious leaders. But when they came to him like Nicodemus at night, when they came to him uh, uh, like, uh, I'm trying to think of his name, Luke chapter 19, um, Zacchaeus, uh, when they, uh, other people, the rich and the world, he didn't turn his back. Anytime they asked him a question, he answered it. He didn't, he didn't disown people. He didn't give up people. And not only that, uh, people are just giving, giving up on God. In the parable, the sower talks about that. Those who, uh, there's no root system. Uh, that, uh, and, uh, I know we're, uh, we're not talking about so much the parable of the sower this morning. We're talking about the wisdom of God, but it takes wisdom. It takes the wisdom of God, and I know I'm just barely uh, getting to the core of what I want to talk about, but uh, uh, we need the wisdom of God so that we can operate as a people of God. Okay? Um, let me just say this. Uh, kind of a different note. One word from God. One idea from God can change your financial situation. Can change many of our circumstances if we just have wisdom. Sometimes a lot of our problems have to do with relationships. Wisdom from God will show us how to respond to people the godly way, the right way. Okay, we need wisdom. We need, in other words, I'm trying to paint the picture and not fully there yet. Uh, that we need to value the fear of the Lord, and we need to value the wisdom of God, and we need to value the Word of God. That makes sense? We need to value that. And I'm not just talking about theologically. I'm not just talking about ideally. But it, it, we need to value it, but it, uh, it, there needs to be evidence in our, in our lives. I probably should have already done this, but let me just look at some definitions of wisdom. Okay? Again, we're still a very introductory part of this series. I'm talking about wisdom. But in the Hebrew, <coughs> and that's where we are a lot right now, we're going to get into some New Testament stuff. But in the, in, in the Hebrew, the word wisdom means skilled in life. Skilled in life. It also means a proper application of knowledge and understanding. That's, that's huge. A proper application of knowledge and understanding. See, wisdom is not just insight. 
is not just knowledge and understanding, it's also the proper application of that knowledge and understanding. It produces results. See, a lot of people have knowledge. A lot of people have understanding. A lot of people can quote scripture and even give that definition and the right understanding of that scripture, but not everyone is walking and applying that knowledge and understanding. That's not wisdom. That's why if we understood the knowledge of the Word of God, if we understood the understanding, we're not going to give up on God and we're not going to give up on people easily. That makes sense. First of all, we're not going to give up on God at all. <coughs> and I don't see us giving up on people at all. Another way of saying it, and I got, <coughs> excuse me, I got this from uh, Dwayne Sheriff, but wisdom is just good sense versus being void of wisdom. Okay? Some people are just living with profound, as Dwayne Sheriff would call it, profound ignorance. They just don't have good sense. I'm not just talking about natural sense. I'm talking about good sense. I'm talking about wisdom from God. See, wisdom is skilled in life. Wisdom affects every part of our lives. Wisdom is applying what you know and what you understand. It's applying it. Wisdom and understanding, again, and Andrew brings this out in his commentary, are are paired in Scripture. It's not just understanding it, but it's also walking in wisdom. It's applying. It's a skill in life. Until you do what you know, you are not operating in the wisdom of God. I've seen people, I've seen myself, know, who know the Word of God, have been taught well, do stupid things. That's not wisdom. I might understand the Word of God. I might even teach the Word of God. But if I'm doing stupid things, that's not wisdom. Many people know the right answers. And they understand what the truth means. But they are not doing. They are not living. They are not applying the Word of God. That is not wisdom. Some people are void of wisdom because they are not doing what they know is the right thing to do. Okay? It's not just doing, but this is one part of it. It's, it's being skilled in life. I believe we need to get wisdom. I believe we need to do wisdom. And I believe we need to retain wisdom. Based on scriptures that we've already read this morning. Um, okay? So, again, all that was to talk about the benefits of wisdom. But let's talk about the source of wisdom. Okay? Where does, if we need to get wisdom, where do we get it? Where is it? Where's the source? That makes sense. That's just a logical question. You tell me to get wisdom, so where is it? Where do I get it? Let me just say this too before I even answer that. Wisdom is for now. Wisdom is for today. It's for the future too. But wisdom is now. It's available to now. Okay? In other words, we're the, the wisdom... We are to operate in wisdom to bring a skilled and high quality of life that pleases God. We need to go get it. Where is it? We have three major sources 
where wisdom is found. The first one is, and we've already talked about it a little bit, but the first one is the fear of the Lord. <coughs> Proverbs 9.10, we already read it, that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Job 28.28 says this, Job 28, 28 says, And to man, he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. The fear of the Lord is wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let me just say this. Our culture today does not fear the Lord. Our culture today does not fear the Lord. And you can see by his decisions, you can see by his actions, you can see that is not walking in wisdom. Our culture today is not walking in the wisdom of God. And also our culture today does not fear the Lord. Our culture today hates God. Our culture today rejects God. Our culture today denounces God. See, the fear of the, see the, when we talk about the fear of the Lord... We're talking about praising Him. We're talking about worshiping Him. We're talking about respecting God. We're talking about reverencing Him. We're talking about, as the book of Hebrews says, being in awe of God. Our society, our culture today, does not do that. They're rejecting God. They're denouncing God. But the fear of God, the respect for Him, the reverence for Him, is the beginning of wisdom. Our culture does not honor and respect God. They don't fear the Lord. The second thing, the second source, is God's Word. And we're going to look at this a little more clearly in just a minute, but let me just bring some points out. God's Word, God's seed, God's Word, is the source of God's wisdom. We're going to look at some scriptures for that in just a second. But again, our society does not respect, does not reverence the Word of God. It doesn't reverence the Word of God. It doesn't reverence the fear of God. And we need the wisdom of God to operate in this world. It's something the world does not operate in. It might understand in a natural knowledge, in a natural wisdom, which we'll look at a little bit later, but it's not operating in the wisdom of God. And the first sign of that, it doesn't fear God. It doesn't have a reverence for God. The third one, we're going to look at this a little bit later, but another source of God's wisdom is correction, discipline, and instruction. We see this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, where all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so the man of God might be equipped for every good work. We are also in a society today that doesn't like discipline, that doesn't like correction, that doesn't like instruction. We need to be instructed. You show me someone who has been well disciplined. You show me someone who's been well uh, discipled. You know, I'll show you someone who's walking in the wisdom of the Lord. We need wisdom. We need instruction. Let me just show this from a natural aspect. You show me an athlete, someone who's in the Olympics, who has a good coach, who has disciplined his athlete well, who's instructed his athlete well, who has corrected his athlete well from bad habits and different things, you show me someone who is walking in a skilled wisdom in that sport or in that event. Does that make sense? 
in any sport or anything. Someone who has been mentored and coached and trained with discipline, instruction, and correction. They are wise in that area where they've been coached. And they've been parented, they've been mentored, they've been instructed. You show me someone who's not disciplined, someone who's not corrected, someone who's not instructed, and you, you, show, you also show you someone who's lazy, someone who's undisciplined, someone who's not walking in wisdom, but they're walking out of their own emotions, and they're walking, they're, they're, they're unskilled in that area of life. That makes sense? We're going to look at that a little more clearly later. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4. We're going to kind of uh, highlight the second thing, that the wisdom comes from the Word of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, we're going to read. It says, But you held fast to the Lord your God, are alive today, every one of you. That's pretty cool. Those of you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today. You're alive today because you held fast to the Lord your God. Verse 5, Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should not that you should act according to them in the land which you're going to possess. He's talking about them possessing the promised land. This is how you are to live. This is how you are to act. Verse 6, Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. It's in the same context of verse 8. It says, uh, actually, um, I got the wrong, uh, sorry, I'm thinking of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's Deuteronomy chapter 8. But I love this in verse 6. It says, uh, again, that be careful to observe my instructions, my my statutes, my word. And you, for this is your wisdom and your understanding. And other people will see, the nation, other nations will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. You show me someone who has been a student of God's word. You show me someone who has been discipled under God's word. And I will show you someone who has grown in I don't, I know we're not the, always the wisest people on this planet, and I'm not trying to make loads, but I know one thing for Sherry and I, in the last few years as we've sat under good teaching, uh, through Karis and other things, God has given us wisdom. We have wised up in many areas, in our finances, in our marriage, in our relationships, in different things. I know that we have grown in wisdom. I'm not saying we're the wisest people. And different things. I'm not saying we don't make mistakes. I'm not trying to boast, but I'm boasting what God has done. And if we have any wisdom, if there's been anything that we've done wise, it's because we've been discipled by the Word of God. There's been times when we have not been discipled as we have in the last few years. And I look back at some of those past years and I'm like, how stupid I was, how foolish I was, how unwise I was. But I know that the Word of God has matured us in some areas. I'm not saying, and I still know there's areas where we can grow and become wiser. And we can become, we, we can actually become more disciplined in the Word of God. And there's been days, there's been times, there's been seasons, and even the midst of this, this, the last few years, that we have not been wisdom. And usually, if we 
if we peel back the onion, we find out in those seasons we have not been leaning on the Word of God. We have not been in the Word of God as we should. And when we when we usually wallow in our own fears and our own uh, wisdom, in the times when we have not been leaning on the Word of God, we've been leaning on our own understanding. But when we lean on Him, He directs our path straight. And if there's been any wisdom, any maturity in our lives, it's because we have been in the Word of God, and we allow the Word of God to become our wisdom. I hope that makes sense. And I've seen other people. I've seen other people who come to this church. I've seen other people who've gone to other churches who sit under good teaching. And it's not just the teaching, but also they themselves have sat under the Word. And that the Word of God has become their life. I wish I've seen them mature in God. I've seen them live, make wiser decisions in life because of the wisdom that they gain from being in the Word of God. That makes sense? Hopefully it does. Um, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. We're talking about still the source, the Word of God being our source of the wisdom. We know, let me just uh, read verses 16 and 17, go backwards. It says, we already noticed, I already quoted this this morning, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God as profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we quote that out oftentimes in verse 15. Verse 15, Paul says, And that from a childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I love that. The Holy Scriptures, the Word of God, is able to make you wise unto salvation. I want to repeat that again. The Scriptures, the Word of God, is able to make you wise unto salvation. The Word of God is able to make you wise unto salvation. Job chapter 32. One thing I love about Job 32 is after all that happened to Job and his three other friends talking about him and all the negative and, and junk that they shared with him, <laughs> Elihu speaks. I like Elihu. Elihu begins to speak. He's the youngest in the group. He, he has enough wisdom and common sense to allow the elders to speak first. Just, I mean, you know, the age is not the only, is not what matures you. The Word of God matures you. Okay? Uh, age does not always mature you. Okay? I, there's a lot of elderly people I love sitting under the wisdom. But it's not the age that has matured them. It's the Word of God that has matured them. It's the Spirit of God that has matured them. But Elihu says this, beginning verse 7 in Job 32. I said, age should speak. In other words, I, should, I said that elders should speak first. A multitude of years should teach wisdom. But verse 8, I love this. But there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. There is a spirit in man, and the breath of God, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Elihu had a revelation that it's God who gives wisdom. It's God who gives understanding, not age. That makes sense? Okay? I love that. 
Let me just say this, and this kind of goes along with my second reason of, of doing this series on wisdom, is that there are going to be things that happen to all of us that we do not always understand why it's happening. There's going to be challenges that we all face individually and at times corporately. But we are going to be in situations where we may be perplexed. There may be situations where we become confused of what we need to do. We are going to need wisdom to navigate the challenges ahead coming upon the earth. In these last days, let me say that again, we are going to need the wisdom of God to know how to navigate the things coming on the earth. And there's going to be times like Job, things come upon him, and he's going to have people speaking in his life, and thankfully he has someone like Elihu and God who speaks in his life. There's going to be times when we go through things, no matter where we walk, and they have no root, and, and, and actually persecution... Jesus promised that we will go through persecution. Jesus promised that we will have tribulation. But we are going to need the wisdom of God to know how to navigate through the challenges of life. That make sense? And Paul, Jesus, and other apostles promised that in these last days, hard times will come. We're going to need the wisdom of God to navigate through the challenges. If we work with people, if we live with people, if we do anything with people, and hopefully we're not, we're not isolated on some island. And that's saying there's not a time to get away. Jesus got away. There's time to get away. But we, if we're going to be in this world, we're going to be around people. And there's going to be times we need the wisdom of God of how to navigate through some of the challenges. As a pastor, as a husband, as a spiritual father in different ways. I need wisdom how to navigate through the challenges of life. Um, when we do not hear the word of God and understand what it means. Okay, sorry. Excuse me. See, there are going to be times where even in our culture and in our lives that calamity may come in various ways. It could be a natural catastrophe. It could be all kinds of different things. It could be an economical downfall. It could be things that happen in our country, in our culture, in our society. We're going to need wisdom from God. That makes sense? And especially in these last days, the days are evil, and when people are not, when people are even giving up on God and giving up on people, we're going to need the wisdom of God how to navigate through the challenges of life. Just because you go to church, just because you're born again, doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges. Doesn't mean you're not going to have hardships. Doesn't mean you're not going to have difficult situations. We need wisdom. And we need to get wisdom. Wisdom is the principal things. We need to fear the Lord. We need to hear and understand His Word. And we need to receive correction, instruction, and discipline from our God, our Shepherd, our King. So where do we get this wisdom? We get it from fearing the Lord. It's beginning to it. We get this wisdom from being in the Word of God. And we get this wisdom from hearing it.
enlightenment and also retaining the wisdom that we receive. Let's switch gears here. Let's go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. See how we're doing on time. Okay. I'm just going to be able to introduce some of this. I'm not going to go into the details. We'll talk about it more next week. But uh, look at James chapter 3. Yeah, start with verse 13. <clears throat> it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic, or devilish. <clears throat> For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. Verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield for mercy and, and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace, by those who make peace. There's a lot here, and we're going to spend a little bit of time with this. In other words, James brings out that there are two different kinds of wisdoms. Wisdom, what I'm going to now is, I talked about how I talked a little bit about the benefits of wisdom, I talked a little bit about the source of where wisdom comes from. But I want to go into now is talking about some of the characteristics of wisdom. What does wisdom look like? You know it's an apple tree usually because you see apples. You know it by its fruit. You can see wisdom has traits. And you can tell if it's, if it's natural, sensual wisdom, which is also described as demonic or devilish, or if it's wisdom that's from above. There's two kinds of wisdom. And there's two sources from what they come from. I can tell in my life I can tell in other people's lives in what wisdom they are operating in because these characteristic traits will be evident. In other words, I'm teaching us that we can discern and we can recognize what nature, what spirit, the wisdom that we or other people are operating in come from. The Word of God teaches us, and it's clear. We can tell if it's a false wisdom or is true wisdom from God. Verse 13, James says, Who is wise? In other words, who has wisdom and understanding? See how those two words continue to pair even in the New Testament. Then let him, let him, who, let him show by his good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Remember, we already talked about the Hebrew definition that is the application of knowledge. James here in the New Testament is also saying, if you are wise, let him show by his conduct. Let him show by his application. Let him show by how he conducts himself. Whether he's operating in the wisdom of God or he's operating from natural, sensual, or demonic Okay. 
example. When someone sins against you, how do you operate? Do you react? Do you cut them off? Or do you forgive them? That will tell you. That's just one example of other examples of whether you're operating in wisdom that's from above or wisdom that's from uh, essential. That's huge. We are to forgive one another seven times seven. There's many, th there's many examples I can get you in the New Testament that talk about how we are to operate and treat one another, especially in the body of Christ. And are we operating in wisdom that's from above? Or are we operating in sensual? What's sensual? Well, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like forgiving. I don't feel like this. That's sensual. That's operating in our five senses. That's operating by based on what we feel and not the Word of God. We talked about in weeks past people who will operate in their reality and based on what they feel. That wisdom is coming from their senses, not from the Word of God. And they are making a choice. They are applying what they feel. They are not applying the wisdom that comes from above. It's not coming from the Word of God. It's not coming from the seed of God. It's coming from their senses. The Adam seed. Okay? That's just one example of operating in, in natural wisdom. Verse 16 says, but where envy and self-seeking are, are strife, confusion and every evil work is this. See, when it's natural wisdom, when it's sensual and demonic wisdom, there will be envy and strife. There will be confusion. And there will be every evil work. Proverbs says only by pride comes contention. Only in pride can we have contention with one another. See, one of the main attributes of those who operate in God's wisdom is that they're peace. There's peace in them. For example, let's go back real quick. Uh, we go to, back to Proverbs chapter 3 for a moment, where we just were. And I think it's verse 18 I want. I might have to, no, um, verse 17. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all of her paths are peace. Okay? There's different ways that we can apply this peace, but we need to have peace with one another. Look how, how uh, James describes it in James 3.17. Uh, let me get there for a moment. Excuse me, it's a scroll. And it says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Verse 18, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's one of the main um, attributes of the wisdom of God, is that they are peaceable with one another. Just because you give up on God or one another doesn't show that you are 
operating in peace. Um, that is not the wisdom of God. That is sensual. That is demonic. God does not cut us off. God does not divorce a part of his body. God does not divorce one another. God says if anyone is caught in a, in a fence, it says in Galatians, we who are spiritual, we are to restore one another. Okay? God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are to forgive one another 70 times 7. If someone has sinned against us, he says rebuke him, that he might gain your brother. We are not to cut people off. He says that we are to go to our brother and not gossip and different things. Actually, um, when we cut one another off, Andrew brings us out as commentary, we are turning people over to Satan. Andrew says that step four of Matthew chapter 18 and discipline is that when we cut and just disfellowship one another, we are automatically going to step four. When some of us have gone to step four, bypassing steps one, two, and three. That is not the wisdom of God. That is, that is the wisdom and the sensuality of man. It makes sense when someone has offended you, someone's hurting you, to cut them off. And I'm not saying that we're going to be best friends and buddy-buddy with everyone who we're done with. That, and that's a, that's a different topic. I don't, mean, I don't want to get into all this right now. But we, we need wisdom from God, but that doesn't mean we cut them off either. That's why if we, we go to one another, if not, we get someone else. If not, we get the church involved. And uh, I'm not saying we're going to be buddy-buddy with one another, but we are here to restore one another. There, there, there's, uh, anyway, I'm, uh, there's a lot I can expand on that. But let me just say this. I mean, when, we, when something is happening, or has happened, and you are confused, then you are operating under the wrong wisdom. Because with the wisdom that, uh, it, let's go back to verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil work are there. If we're confused. There's some things that I don't like. There's some things I don't understand why it's happening. But when I let the Word of God direct my response, when I let the, the Word of God direct my attitude, when I let the Word of God direct my heart, although I may not understand why this person is doing such and such a thing, there is a soundness, there is a peace, there is a stability that we talked about. Wisdom and knowledge will bring stability, not confusion. We need the Word of God. And there's times where if the storm is raging, and once I look at the storm, there is confusion. But it's in the shelter of the Almighty that there's peace. I mean, know that you can be in the midst of the storm and be at peace. The storm is not peaceful. The situation may not be peaceful. But you are at peace because of the wisdom of God. That makes sense? And you're going to respond and you're going to react out of peace. Not out of flesh. That makes sense? And we need the wisdom of God to know how to navigate and respond in this evil world. It is easy for our flesh to react and respond to situations in the flesh. We have all done that. We have all been there. 
But we need the wisdom of God to be stable, to strengthen our salvation. It's a treasure. Narrow is a way and very few find it. Broad is a way that leads to destruction. I want to be wise. I want to be wise as a serpent and harmless like a dove. I need to be wise in this generation. I need to be wise in our culture. I need to be wise when I'm dealing with people. People are precious. God saved them. God went to the cross to save them. There's not a person on the face of this earth that is not precious to God. It's not special to God. God has not turned his back on anybody. Only man has turned their back on God and other people. God has never turned his back on anybody. There's wisdom how to deal with that. It doesn't mean that the land won't become in my inner circle. And different things of that nature. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about shunning. I'm talking about ostracizing. I'm talking about judging and condemning. Uh, and, and that. But how do we operate with people? How do we deal with people? We in situations. We need the wisdom of God. I'm basically out of time. I got three minutes left. But in, 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 I don't want so much hash out all the negatives. But in James 3.17, James gives eight characteristics of someone who's walking with God's wisdom. I like it when the scriptures are so very clear, you can't miss these. There's eight characteristics that are evident for someone who's walking in God's wisdom. In other words, this is what I call, or actually I heard Dwayne Sheriff call this, this is a witness test. This is a test. These characteristics should be there. See, is the outcome strife and confusion? Or is it peacefulness? Because that will tell you if we're operating in the wisdom of God or if we're operating in natural wisdom. In other words, these eight characteristics will tell you what the wisdom of God looks like. It will tell you what the wisdom of God sounds like. It will tell you how the wisdom of God acts. Remember, the wisdom is applying the knowledge and understanding. It's a, being skillful in life. So, these eight characteristics will talk about what the wisdom of God looks like. I'm going to list them here. We're going to read them again, but we're going to study them more and we pick it up next week. First, first of all, the wisdom of God is pure. It, it means it's innocent. It's clean. It has no alternative motive. It's peaceful. We'll talk about that a lot more. It's mentioned several times here. In other words, we don't, again, we don't give up on others. We don't give up on God. It's not self-centered. It's not easily offended. It's not, it doesn't, un, it doesn't walk in unforgiveness. The third category, or characteristic is, the, uh, the wisdom of God is gentle. It's not hostile. It doesn't mean that you're not firm. It doesn't mean you don't get excited. But it's gentle. The fourth one, fourth characteristic, is that it's easy to be entreated. When you study that word out, it's actually one word that in the English comes out to be uh, three or four words. 
easy to be entreated mean that they're willing to yield to others. They're willing to be reasoned with. See, when someone is not easily to be entreated, that should be a red flag. When someone is not willing to be reasoned with, they've heard from God. They won't talk. They shut you out. That is not the wisdom. Fifth characteristic, they are full of mercy. They are compassionate. They are forgiving. They won't com- doesn't mean they will compromise. And it doesn't mean they agree with you. But they also will be non-judgmental. They are full of mercy. Sixth characteristic is they are full of good fruit. There's an application. There's a good fruitfulness about, about their the wisdom and the characteristic trait that is evident. They're without partiality. They're not biased. They're not showing favoritism. But there's a consistency about them. They're without partiality. They were without hypocrisy. They are sincere. They are honest. They're not manipulating. They don't vacillate. They are not hypocrites. And then uh, I just want to introduce. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to go there yet. And then uh, uh, after we're done here, we're going to start talking about the seven pillars of wisdom. I didn't get there this morning. Again, this has just been an introduction to the wisdom of God being the principal thing. I know I've kind of been just touching on some things, kind of opening the door. Hopefully, as we get deeper into this, we're going to see how this operates. But again, my core, my heart with all this is that I don't know about you, but I want to walk in the wisdom of God to navigate the challenges with situations, to navigate the challenges with people. You know, as pastors, we get a lot of people come to us not only for healing, not only for finances, but regarding relationships and wisdom and direction, what they should do. And we can understand how the wisdom of God, I mean, James is talking about the wisdom of God in the context of the work of operating with people. No context, he's talking about the tongue. From with the same tongue we pr- praise God, we worship Him, but we curse men. He says, "Brothers, these things ought not to be so." That is not the wisdom of God. One has a knowledge of God, one has an understanding of God, but the way they're acting, the way they are conducting themselves, is not the wisdom of God. I don't know about you, but I want to operate the wisdom of God. I want to operate the wisdom of God. <coughs> that is important to me. The scripture says that wisdom is the principal thing. And we are to get wisdom. And so, and it's important that we operate with wisdom, not in the wisdom of man. Lord, we worship you, we exalt you, we magnify you. Lord, we're like Solomon, Lord, teach us to be wise. We want your wisdom. We need your wisdom. Lord, even as a pastor, even as I teach this series in the weeks to come, Lord, I need your wisdom to articulate and to communicate that which I know you want us to do. Lord, help me to connect the dots with everything I'm teaching about the wisdom of God and connect it to the gospel. I'm not teaching performance and help me make that clear. But that we are teaching about living and walking in wisdom. Not just being a hearer of your word, but being a doer of it. Not just talking about your grace, but also extending grace to one another and mercy. It's more with me as a hypocrite. When we say 
We talk about God's grace, but we won't show grace to one another. To me, that's a hypocrite. And show us how to not walk in hypocrisy, but help us to walk in the wisdom of God. We worship you. We magnify you. In your name, we give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. Uh, we have Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock.